What's up, everyone? This is the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast. I'm your host, Scott, joined by Rich with your average everyday Chiefs talk. All of our episodes are available on all major podcast platforms. Just look or search for the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast, as well as you can search for us on various social media pages such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So today's episode, um, we are obviously talking about the Bengals-Chiefs AFC Championship game recap that obviously didn't go in our favor um, towards the end of the game. Um, So I guess kind of start off, Rich, I kind of just want to ask you, like, where did things go wrong? Um, I mean, after the first half, um, you know, obviously going into half 21-10, we probably should have at least kicked the field goal, made it 24-10. You know, there's a couple things we'll discuss about that here coming up, but um, obviously the second half turned out the way it did, um, went in overtime and unfortunately, you know, we got the coin toss and couldn't, uh, couldn't score or get any points, um, off that drive. And then obviously the, uh, Bengals, um, getting the ball and coming down and kicking the field goal to win the game. But, um, I guess kind of starting with you, what are your thoughts about kind of what, what things went wrong with the game? I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Everything, we're all much smarter after it happened. We should have done this, should have done that. Um, but that blunder there at the end of the first half, um, there as we are in field goal range with five seconds left in the game and going for um, another shot at the end zone, I agreed with it. I was like, you know, this is you can technically get a playoff in about two, maybe three seconds. I would say for sure three seconds. Two might be the fastest, but um, the play call was just weird. And then Patrick makes a very, very, very un- Patrick unlike Patrick decision in throwing that pass to Hill. And then it seems like right there, that blunder sent them to ha- to the half a little dazed and confused or like lost a little bit. And they just never recovered um, from Andy Reid to Patrick Mahomes. They just didn't adjust. And the Bengals did an amazing job of adjusting there in the second half. And I don't know if you listened to the press conference when they asked Andy about that play call. And he said that, he was going to kick the field goal, and Patrick convinced him to just give it one more shot to try to get the touchdown, which is fine, and, and it's good. And we have the time. It was just – it was either end zone or throw it away, right? So mm-hmm. I think for me that's where it started to go wrong. And then just like the the game earlier this year versus the Bengals, they adjusted. We didn't. And even there at the end, we still had an opportunity to win the game, whether it was you know the final drive of regulation – or even in overtime, and I mean, you know, we give Patrick all the praise in the world when he's great, but um, definitely one of his, if not his most head-scratching game from a mental perspective, um, and really to me just kind of culminated what this season was about. Greatness in one half, or, you know, one half of the season, and then just some absolute blunders mentally by this team as well as physically. Absolutely right. Um, so on that play, obviously I'm at the game, um, you know, on that play there at the end of the first half, and we have five seconds left. So in Andy's uh, interview, I, I didn't get to hear it, but I've heard that he said that he might have given Mahomes the wrong play. Um, I've heard that, and then I've also heard that Patrick thought that there was a, another touchdown – or touchdown, there was no, another timeout left. Yeah, he did signal. He did signal for um, – so. So it's it, so that kind of confusion is not good to have. Um, obviously, in a playoff game, an AFC Championship game, to have that, um, 
so I so that's why I understand um, the call that Patrick made, or, or sorry, the as far as him to you know throw the ball to Tyreek um, there because he thought there was still no timeout left, right? So I understand why he did it, but um, obviously they just didn't communicate well with saying, "Hey, look, five seconds left." Any of them says, "Hey, look, we don't have any timeouts left." Like you said, two or three seconds. Uh, you hike, you snap the ball. Um, you look and see if no one's in the open in the end zone. You throw it away quick, real quick. You have a second or two left. Boom, kick the field goal. We're going to halftime. So um, on that, I didn't know until obviously after. So that was why I was kind of a head scratcher. Why he like Patrick would throw that kind of pass where um, you know he has a real good chance of getting basically tackled in bounds with no timeout. So I didn't know that part until obviously after um, the interview. But uh, yeah, that yeah, was think, definitely something that went wrong. And well. I think that was just a good job of Andy Reid being, you know, what he does so well, right? He's, he has his players back. And I think, I mean, looking at the play, it was a little weird that we were doing a read option with five seconds left, um, especially with, you know, Tyreek motioning and staying in the backfield. Because, um, yeah, like, I just don't know why Patrick would make the – even with a timeout, making the decision to throw a side pass – that close to the end zone with five seconds left is just, I think if Andy really did give him that play, as opposed to just kind of covering his, his players behind. Right. Um, which I think that's what he did. Right. I think he just mm-hmm. kind of lied to the media and said like, it's my bad. It's not Patrick's fault. He's just executing the play. But, um, but yeah, I just, it was just bad overall. Um, Alex said, I was fine. I, I don't critique the decision at all because you know, we've seen it happen. You can score with, like I said, with about three seconds, but it's one of those where you have to go to the end zone or you got to throw it away. And it's got to be one read, go fast. And if it's not there, you throw it away. So it, it was just very, very um, confusing. But then again, I mean, we know Andy has that habit of sometimes doing, you know, something a little too fancy in the situation where it doesn't warrant it. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, right, it, it, it bit us in the tail. Right. So a little bit before that, we'll talk about actually the whole first half first, um, uh, you know, up until that point, obviously, uh, you know, we had three incredible touchdown drives. Uh, and when I mean incredible, they were, we offense just looked unstoppable. It didn't look like anything uh, that we were throwing the Bengals away they could stop uh, as far as, you know, little or mixing it with some McKinnon. Um, here and there, um, you know, some runs, uh, you know, passes to Hardman and Kelsey and Hill, just matriculating our, you know, the ball down the field, all three of those drives that we scored touchdowns on. Um, uh, and I, I think I remember at one point there was a stat where the Chiefs averaged about 8.7 yards per play, um, you know, there in that first half. So, um, and like I said, McKinnon was looking really good, just like he had been in the previous game in the playoffs. Um and uh, even the defense was getting some good stops on third downs, which ironically, I remember looking at most of the uh, third downs that the Bengals had, um, at least all game that I noticed too, but most of them were like third and five. So like third and five and 36. Uh, I It seemed like it was always like third and five, third and six throughout the whole game. But um, there in the first half, I feel like we were getting some excellent stops, unfortunately, until uh, they scored that touchdown um, in the end of the first half, which is that 41 um, yard catch by um, P. Ryan from Burrow, which uh, was probably not a good defensive tackling player trying to get to the ball on that one. But outside of that, I mean, I felt I felt 
going into halftime, even with uh, you know not getting any points on that final drive, being up 21-10, I felt real good about the second half, how well we were playing in the first half. But I guess what would you say, what would be your thoughts of what are some of the things you probably liked in the first half or some of the things you, or maybe uh, something you didn't like in the first half? I mean, you said it perfectly. It's just everything was working. It was like watching the Bills game, right, where Patrick took what was available. His the, the pocket, you know, the offensive line did an amazing job throughout the entire game except for one play, um, which you could even debate that Patrick should have stepped up and he kind of scrambles that one where Orlando gets beat off the edge. But besides being the point, um, offensive line played really well. The receivers, everybody, wherever the ball was going and whoever's number was called, they made plays. Jeremy McKinnon on the ground, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, even, you know, Byron Bringle a few times there. So everything is going really, really good. I've always been critical of Patrick's feet. Um, I'm not talking about the magic, you know, the Mahomes magic throws, but the one where he has to sit in the pocket, step up, uh, make sure his feet are good so that the strikes come out perfectly. He was just brilliant, right? It was exactly like watching the Bills game. Um, so the first half to me offensively was great. And well, except for that last, you know, play there at the end of the half. And then defensively, um, like you said, right, everything was good until that. Uh, I don't know what Charvarius Ward was doing or if it really just got shook mm-hmm. and um, gave up that touchdown late, gave the Bengals a little life. And, you know, what's funny is, I mean, and you saw in our group chat, right, we had a few people saying this game's over. And even when we were up, um, you know, 21 to three. I was like, man, this isn't over. I got so many texts about it. I was like, it's not over. It's not over. That's not a lot of points. You know, I think 18, it was either. Yeah, I mean, 18 points might – I mean, that's technically three scores. I said technically um, because, I mean, you can get like a safety or something like that and make it – I mean, it's still three scores. But um, So, yeah, so I, I know that it was only, you know, three scores, and Chiefs have done it, and the Bengals did it against us in the regular season game. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, just to summarize – very, very good offensively. Defensively did well up until, you know, we gave up that touchdown there to Samaji P. Run. So even being up uh, 21-10 at halftime and not getting that, I guess what were your thoughts going in the second half? Do you think, like, um, you know, we'll continue to do the same in the second half? Obviously, hopefully we'll make in some adjustments. But do you think, I mean, ultimately, it's probably going to still be kind of like the score predictions that we kind of predicted in the last episode? I did. I mean, not lying at all. Um, I understood that, you know, that was some bad play there at the end of the half. But I thought we would come out firing. We got the ball. Um, We did come out and throw the ball right away. But that first throw that Mahomes makes in his feet or everywhere, and he just misses, um, I think it was coming out of the backfield. Um, I think it was – I'm pretty sure it was McKinnon, not a layer, and he just misses him. And right Right. then and there, I was like, oh, man. I was like, something's off. And Mm – um, you know, we obviously didn't do anything there, and then we punt. So to answer your question, yes, I was confident. I thought we were just going to keep going. Um, we had their number. You know, we were riding on all-time confidence based off the Bills game and a great first half. Um, but, yeah, as soon as that throw that Mahomes made where he misses and his feet weren't, you know, set up properly, I was like, right. oh, no. I kind of already saw it. So um, going into that, like that second half, um, obviously that's when things started. Just uh, obviously not going away and kind of falling apart. Um, you know, obviously the Bengals get a field goal, and it's it's twenty one thirteen. After I think, like you said, we kind of stumble there um, out the gate um, to start the second half, and 
So we're thinking, you know, at that point, it's obviously it's it's twenty one thirteen. So obviously they just need a touchdown and two point conversion. So, um, you know, like we just got to keep scoring, got to keep doing our thing like we did in the first half. And then it comes to that point where um, that next drive, I don't know, I, I don't know if it's the first or second play, but obviously Mahomes tries. Uh, I, I think was it a screen to Tyreek, or he was trying to throw it to somebody. I couldn't remember, but I just don't understand why he tried to throw that ball. Um, then obviously it was just caught by the defender um, and they come down and they, you know, score a touchdown about five plays later to tie the game. But, you know, that play, I just don't understand. Like, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? You know, him just throwing it to really, there was nobody to really throw to. Yeah. I mean, I I've gone back and watched it a few times to try to understand and maybe the all 22 view or another view. That's not the game. That's not the TV broadcast will show us what he was looking at, but he even pumps it, right? He pumps it and then he still makes the throw. Mm-hmm. and he wasn't trying to throw it away because of the height of it. So I just didn't understand. And right again, you know, like I mentioned, that throw on that first drive, um, I was just like his mind seems to be off. And whether it was just confidence because of that last drive in the second of the, at the end of the first half or something, but it just wasn't right. And right then and there, I was like, man, you know, I can I can already almost see how this is going to go. Right. And and here's the thing, like so it's getting to um obviously close to the fourth quarter at this point, and it's you know, there's no running game, um, which we ran really fine in the first half. Uh we're talking about and then all of a sudden, like maybe Clyde Edwards or Lair or McKinnon would get five or six yards of carry on first down and then just be pass, pass, pass. And then it would just be punt. We'll punt after that because we couldn't get anything going. But um obviously there was only eight carries the whole second half. I thought that was um, an important thing that we did not uh, capitalize on, especially being a close game. Obviously, most teams will go away from the running game if we're behind by two touchdowns or such and such. But we're talking about it's a tie game. Um, we're not, you know, trying to run the ball at all, and it was just it. It just didn't look like, um, you know, the calls were made exactly kind of how they were in the first half. I guess you would say. Right. Um, and then, and as you said, like Mahomes just looked out of sorts, out of sync. Um, that whole second half just from the very beginning. Uh, but I guess leading up into what we'd like to know is the last few drives, obviously the um, Bengals come down uh, late in the uh, fourth quarter um, and you get a field goal to take the lead. And then we have our final drive, which at that point, and I'll ask your thoughts about this, but at this point, obviously they're up 24-21. Uh, there's about six minutes to go. I just have a feeling that we're just going to, you know, even though we've struggled up until this point, I felt like, you know, just like in the Bills game, when the when it was time was right or the time was going to be clutch right for Patrick Mahomes to come through, he would come through. And in that drive, he slowly did. But what were your thoughts going into that final drive we had in the fourth quarter? Yeah, so I'm actually going to jump back on something real quick, and then I'll talk about, let's say, that final drive. So you mentioned that we only ran the ball eight times in the second half. I was looking at the adjustments that the Bengals made and some stats on that. In the first half, they ran a lot of zone, keep everything in front of Mahomes, but they were still rushing anywhere from four to five, uh, you know, defenders. In the mm-hmm. second half, on 19 plays, they only rushed three and dropped eight into coverage, and it was a blend of man and coverage, right, man underneath, you know, mm-hmm. two deep safeties. And Andy didn't adjust and run the ball, right? They, the Bengals dared us to run the ball. And Andy said, nope, I'm still going to keep throwing it. My quarterback's struggling. You know, it's a shooter's funk. He's going to shoot himself out of it. 
um, like Kobe used to talk about. But um, so, yeah, so I think that was an important stat, uh, you know, that kind of paints the picture and what's it personally my feelings on the play call. And that's something that I mentioned in, in our pregame episode is that both Mahomes and especially Andy had to be as perfect as he was the last two games. His play calling was immaculate the last two games and in the first half. And then in that second half, his adjustments just weren't there. And, you know, we always talk about how Eric Bieniemy deserves a job or, you know, and Andy Reid's this great break play caller. And he is, what, 90, 95% of the times. But, you know, we know yep. that this is the one thing that we've always talked about with Andy. Um, and I would hope maybe Bieniemy said something about it is getting too fancy, getting too cute, forgetting to run the ball. Because, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think plays called he has the highest percentage in the league. Mm-hmm. But we should have run the ball more, especially once we noticed them dropping eight in the coverage. Can you imagine our five guys, our pure five offensive linemen, just versus their three um, rushers? You know, we would have got four or five yards on every game. Um, I even saw a stat that in the first half, I think we were over five yards on rush per attempt. So it would have been right. even bigger. And that leads me into, you know, that final drive there where um, – there was a couple instances as shown by Patrick's ability to or inability to find anyone open where they dropped that many. And I think Patrick should have ran on he, he ran on a final drive right when we're in basically in the in, in goal situation. Mm-hmm. He scrambles to the left, gets about a yard or two, right? Uh, Trey Hendrickson pushes him out of bounds. But then there's the one where he fumbles because he's scrambling around. And we've already looked at the play where Travis Kelsey Seems to be open as soon as he comes out of his break. The other three receivers, I don't think were open. Um, but it's just, it was weird. And, and I think that's part of his confidence was shot based on that decision that he made at the end of the first half. And, you know, that talks about his mechanics, his confidence. I was on the second half. Because he makes that throw most of the time. He fires it into the Kelsey. And that's a touchdown. We win the game, right? Right. But to me, that was the biggest thing is neither of them adjusting. And even all the plays that led up to getting into the red zone. They were great play calls. That little um, – the play that we ran versus the Bills where Kelsey does that little out and up. Um, I call it the Gronk route because Gronk is so good at doing that route, catches it, and then we run the ball, and then we get to the goal line, and all of a sudden, again, forget that they're only rushing three and decide to pass the ball with limited space with eight to – so you've got eight defenders covering – and then you've got potentially, let's say at minimum four wide. So you've got twelve people in a fifteen in a zero to fifteen yard space. So, like I said, I just I didn't understand that play calling the adjustments that weren't made by the enemy Reed and Mahomes. Well, and going back to like you know right there on that drive uh, around the goal line, and I don't know about you, but the first thing I thought on the back to back plays that Mahomes is scrambling and he gets a yard or two on. Yeah, uh, both plays on the left side of the field. The first thing that got in my mind was, oh, no, here's the Super Bowl over again. Because he was doing exactly that in the Super Bowl. Uh, he couldn't find anybody or wasn't trying to, you know, make a play like he normally does. He's just scrambling around thinking that he has to do everything. Um, and just, um, you know, and then obviously that last one before the field goal where he gets sacked and he get he fumbles. Thank goodness one of our guys fell on the ball because can you imagine us sitting here talking about this game and that's how this game ended? I mean, uh, I was thinking, um, I mean, if the game ended like that, it would have been bad. 
Uh, and then the only thing, too, and obviously Butker makes the field goal, but if Butker misses that field goal before it goes overtime, that would be even bad talking about that, too. So luckily, some of the things went away there in the end, at least tie the game to go in overtime. But like you said, um, the most concerning thing I felt was um, in that sole second half was like not running the ball, but also there in that play where Kelsey was open for that touchdown he always seems to make that play and for some you know reason or not he did not want to throw the ball there and, and make that play i you know we don't we don't know and you know also there was that run where mckinnon had there on the goal line where it looked like the Bengals were letting us score um and we didn't so it just seemed like to me in the same aspect of what week 17 was the reverse role where the Bengals had the ball there with you know 2 minutes left and they're just trying to kill the clock and uh, you know, ultimately just win the game there. It felt like we were trying to do the same thing, which is right. not us. Like we don't do that. We, we we go for the score and everything. So I thought that was something that um you know just seemed off. Even though at the same point I'm sitting in the stands and I'm thinking the same thing. I'm thinking like, well, okay, well maybe we'll try to kill the clock so we don't have that much time. But uh, really, in an AFC Championship mentality versus a Week 17 mentality, it's different. Like you got to go for the points. If your defense gives up that game one and touchdown or whatnot, you know what? Then that's a different thing to talk about. But hey, your offense is what got you here most of the time. Obviously, the defense has stepped up most of the year, but your offense is your bread and butter uh, for the Chiefs. And you got to just score the points, whether um, you know you might not like it or not because of the time or whatever. But that's what you do. I mean, you score the points to get to the Super Bowl. So um, the fact that they were kind of just trying to waste time there at the end and. Um, you know, not really, I would say, going for it until he absolutely had to, and then everything broke down from there. Yeah, I mean, and, and like I was one of those that, you know, thought, without a doubt, you have to run out the clock and you basically score with under 15 seconds, right? You score a touchdown with under 15 seconds. But, um, again, right, hindsight's always twenty twenty. You know, we're sitting here talking and, like, you know, what we should have done, so on and so forth. You know, we don't understand the the emotions of the players, the coaches, and and obviously everything that's going on there. That's correct. Um, I mean, then we tie it, right? So now we tie it, and, you know, it's like, okay, well, we finally tied it, which, by the way, I know Bucker's good, but I was still nervous when he went to go kick Mm -hmm. that, and he did it in a very confident manner, right? Took a little bit of juice off of it, made sure it was very direct. So it didn't carry in the in the wind or the air or whatever you want to call it. Which uh, Mahomes lost, like what was it, like ten or fifteen yards on that side? Because it went it from a chip 13. shot field goal to making it a forty four yard field goal. Oh so. yeah, so that yeah, I mean, yeah, that was crazy. So without a doubt, I was like, man, please make this, please make this, please make this. I'm sure everybody in the stadium was too, you know. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it was definitely like. Uh, um, that would, I guess, like I said, that would have been a bad way to end the game, too. I thought, too, if all that, that fanciness on the drive or whatever trying to happen, score, um, you know, with hardly any time left and then miss the field goal, that, that would have been something that, even worse. But so going into it, obviously it's tied now and it's now it's the big, um, you know, oh, who gets the coin toss kind of thing because obviously it's like nine and one in the playoffs. Whoever gets the opening coin toss basically wins the game on the opening drive. So uh, I'm sitting there in the stands, and obviously we're all listening to see about who gets the coin toss and all that. And, you know, it ends up 
you know, the ref tosses it up, and it, like, it looks like when it hits the ground, it's like fumbling around, like it's not even staying. And then Hitchens all of a sudden, like a couple seconds later, and they, you know, um, all of a sudden the ref said we won the toss, and the whole crowd just went crazy, like oh, we got it. Um, and uh, but it was like that couple moments right there was like probably one of the most worried I had. I had been all game was probably right then. Oh yeah, without um, a doubt. So once we had got it, once we had got the coin toss, what were your feelings going into it? Do you think that like, it was just going to be okay? Here it is. This is this is Mahomes' uh, grim reaper moment of the game kind of deal. I mean, what were your thoughts? A hundred percent. Not even going to lie. Right? As I I without it, I understood that it was a bad second half for him. Um, but that last drive gave me confidence. Yes, you know it didn't end well with those last two plays, but I was like, you know what? All we got to do is get some kind of points. We want a touchdown, obviously, to win the game. But if we get a field goal, that's much better. Um, but as soon as we start out in the first play of that drive, well, the first two, we target Demarcus Robinson, who really hadn't done anything. And there's that one where um, I don't know if it's Robinson didn't come in properly or Patrick. Just threw it behind him, but um, Eli Apple drops that interception, right? Uh, which right. would have been a pick six. Mm-hmm. And right then and there, I was like, well, well, I I had lost all confidence. And I was like, man, I just don't want us to turn the ball over. And we're going to punt it and just make them go 90 yards. If they're yeah. not 90, but let's say 40 yards if they're going to win this game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, my confidence was good, but it immediately changed once I saw those first two throws. And Robinson had been targeted one time the whole game before that. Uh, and all of a sudden, on this last drive, he's targeted twice. Um, you know, obviously on that play you just mentioned where it could have been an interception, it would have been a pick six and game over. That would have been a even worse feeling to lose on that as well. Um, you know, obviously I can see that slant, but like you said, both of those, he, I thought what, he overthrew Robinson on the first play, and obviously that was inside slant to Robinson on the second play. But both passes were just rushed. It, it right. just didn't seem um, like that's your normal Mahomes. And then on the third play, obviously it's you know it's third and ten, and you know Mahomes just goes deep. He's looking for Tyreek Hill. Looking looks like the whole play. I didn't see, and I didn't get a chance to see if anybody was actually open on that play. I don't think so. But he kind of forced it in, and then that's oh, where yeah. obviously it bounced off, and then the Bengals guy uh, intercepted the ball. I mean, you know, again, right? I say this every time we talk about Tyreek Hill. I've always been critical of his ability to go up and get the ball with his hands, right? So be that body control possession type wide receiver that, you know, little guys like Antonio Brown did a great job of. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I don't know what Patrick was thinking in throwing to double coverage because they had Hill under and over the top. And the over the top guy is the one who basically bats it out of Tyreek Hill's catching radius. Um, And it's like, yeah, I don't – yeah, it's just those decisions that Patrick made – you know, we, we saw that earlier this year. So I guess in a full circle type of way, it's kind of fitting or unfortunate for us as Chief fans as well as Mahomes that that's how the season ended with some of that Mahomes blunders that we're not mm-hmm. used to seeing that we saw a lot of this year, especially in those losses earlier in the season. Um, but, yeah, I mean, um, we'd have to watch the All-22 tape, right, to understand whether, what other options were on the play. But – I think to your point, it was a Tyreek Hill route or nothing. Um, and I get that some people said, oh, well, throwing that deep of a pass and getting intercepted is the same as a punt. No, it's not. It's um, not. Right? I mean, there was probably another 20 yards that Thompson gets if he punts it, minus any rolls or the potential of drop muffing the punt. So, yeah, it was just uh, another one of those baffling decisions by Mahomes. 
Yeah, and um, obviously at that point, um, like you were saying, it, it is it is kind of ironic how the season went, how that's how it ended. Um, some of that that stuff that happened early in the season, that's for sure. But um, obviously, that's when they got the interception. They kind of you know slowly just um, you know pass here over the middle, uh, run here to Mixon for a little bit, um, and obviously got in the field goal range. So before I talk about the actual, um, you know, they actually end up kicking the field goal and winning the game in overtime. Um, there was the play there that happened that Joe Mixon ran the ball and um, he had tripped over his own, I think, lineman and, uh, you know, obviously went down and then kind of threw the ball to the side. And they didn't blow the whistle until I think maybe, maybe like milliseconds before a Chiefs player picked it up. So the play wasn't dead. Uh, obviously, Chiefs uh, players were thinking that that was a fumble. Uh, they were trying to get the refs to look at it, and they didn't look at it. Andy said that um, Mixon gave himself up. It's kind of hard to believe he gave himself up when he was tripping and he was falling forward um, when he fell. So I, you know, is that something the ref should have took a look at? I mean, it's just, I mean, obviously at that point, you know, I'm thinking the game is probably over anyways because they're going to kick a field goal and they got one of the best kickers uh, at least this year that they're going to probably kick anyways. But, but I'm still thinking in the back of my mind. I felt like that should have been something that should have been looked at, but maybe it wasn't because of how the refs probably thought he gave himself up. What are your thoughts on that play? Yeah, I mean, I was screaming at the TV, and of course, like my family's looking at me, like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Because I saw it where no one touched him. It looked like someone touched him, but like you said, right? He runs into his own teammate, and to me, looking like he's falling forward. I don't think he ever gave himself up. He's falling forward, right? And to your point, right? Like I think that's so. Um, you're at the stadium, so it's a little bit different, right? But the the broadcast broke it down that Andy was supposedly challenging the fact that they had nine men on the line, right? And according to mm-hmm. the rules, you know, you got to have guys on and off the line. Like seven is there's got to be seven max people on the line, right? And there's the covering up you right. know, feature of the rule. Um, and they had nine, so they actually the refs blew that call because they were in that power set with just one wide receiver and a few tight ends. And they were all on the line. Well, I guess, yeah, I mean, they were all on the line because the only two players in the backfield were the quarterback and the running back. So all nine players on the, were on the line, you know, in line. So that should have been a a a foul or a flag. Penalty. Mm-hmm. And um, so they missed that. And then, yeah, I just – I don't get how with all the technology you have – and I get the rules, all the rules, right? There are certain things that you can't call. But I also went back and watched this play again even like an hour ago. And the whistle isn't blown until after Joe Mixon is on the ground. So, well, yeah, it's not even blown until I would say a milliseconds before a Chiefs player. You can't yeah, see it. it up, right? Yeah, yeah you so can't really see it, it clear on the TV, but you can see a Chiefs player did pick it up uh, right after the ref blew the whistle. Yeah, and, and I don't think that's being talked about enough. Now, of course, right, the rule uh, and the the assessment or the judgment call that the refs made is what makes the rule what it is and made that play end up being how it ended up being. But yeah, it's just, I mean, we see it a lot more in soccer where, you know, they've implemented technology in a different manner. Now there's not as many, there aren't really many rules that stop play like, you know, in soccer as there are in football. But, um, but yeah, it's just weird that something like that happens. Um, Joe Mixon's awareness on that play to do that. That's insane. 
Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, to assume that a player is down because he's tripping as he's falling forward and then gets up and just kind of throws the ball. Like, I mean, I can't remember who was a few years ago that did that, right, where they thought they were down and they, like, start dancing or spike the ball. You know, it's probably wide receiver because they always celebrate after they make a first down. Um, But, yeah, that's just weird. So, I mean, it is what it is. Obviously, it didn't work out. And, um, you know, maybe the NFL will – make some kind of rule change for stuff like that. But, I mean, we were toast already, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that was happening was maybe a missed or blocked field goal. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't something that, you know, was ultimately going to be in our favor as far as uh, that's why we lost the game. I mean, it, it wasn't like Unless that. Unless he recovers just, it, right? Yeah. That was, he it, actually recovered it. Yeah, it was a side note to it. But, um, you know, it's, it's a conversation for a different day as far as, uh, obviously, you know, overtime rules. Uh, we've talked about all this year and obviously – things with penalties as far as, you know, should coaches be able to challenge anything um, regardless of what it is, of what time it is of the game left, uh, that kind of thing too as well. And like I said, it's a different discussion for a different day. It happened. But uh, I just thought it was something, you know, kind of crazy. They just didn't look at in a game like this. But I did realize they let a lot of things go in this game too. So um, I guess it didn't really surprise me there in the end. Um, so I guess – um, obviously, um, you know, McPherson, who's made three field goals um, in the game, and he makes his fourth field goal uh, right after that, uh, and they win the game. Um, and obviously going to uh, Los Angeles uh, Super Bowl to face the Los Angeles Rams. But um, what do you, I guess you'd say, have any, have any final thoughts on the game? Um, or I guess you would say at the season at this point, I mean, anything that probably could have done differently. I mean, obviously, we probably could have always said there's things that differently we could have done, but. Um, just any kind of final thoughts? I mean, I'm a pretty optimistic person, um, just naturally, and the fact that I, you know, I'm a coach as well. So you got to be pretty optimistic and positive. I think for me, at the end of the day, what we learned is that Patrick um, has evolved and he still has some development to do in order to be a little bit more like your traditional quarterback that, you know, like a Tom Brady um, that has as much success as he has. He's shown he can do that. Um, I think his first few years, it was just pure Mahomes magic mixed with Andy Reid's play calling. And then this year, once teams – I mean, I will say teams did figure out the Chiefs, right? Todd Bowles set up that mold, mm-hmm. and everyone copied it. Or everyone that actually copied it, they you know made us play different, unless except for the Raiders for some reason. Right. So um, I think for me, like I said, the optimistic part is Patrick – is learning a different way of playing quarterback based on how they play him. So that's the good part. Our offensive line was rebuilt for him, and he learned to play with them as well as the season went on, even in this game alone, tail of two halves. Um, And we're there. We're right there. I think, you know, you look as soon as, you know, next season stuff comes out, the Chiefs will be within the top four, if not top two teams in the NFL. Um so we're still I, – I, I really thought we could go undefeated. But, you know, I guess I forgot that a line and this mm-hmm. new style of play was going to happen. Right? We, we at least knew the line had to evolve and had to catch up to Patrick and how they play. You know, and they just had to play with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so that's the part that – I guess that's the silver lining for me. Of course it sucks that, you know, we didn't make it to our third straight Super Bowl after going to our fourth straight – AFC championship, mm. but I mean, you can't win them all, even though we were really close. It's um, Nick Wright said it on Monday night. This is Patrick's first 
um, like what the hell game where, you know, when Tom Brady blew a big lead versus the Colts in his early days when uh, Manning did it to Brady. Um, Rodgers has done it probably a few times more than that. I think he did it last year, right? Mm-hmm. Or no. Uh, yeah, or I can't remember who caught up. If Rodgers caught up to Brady or Brady caught up to Rodgers. Oh, it was last year. Up. Last year in the NFC Championship yeah. game, uh, Packers had a good lead and the uh, Bucks came back. Yeah, so it was the it was the Packers. So everyone has one of those, right? I think maybe Michael Jordan might be the – I mean, yeah, he lost a playoff game right before – I'm going to the finals, but maybe Michael Jordan is the only athlete that didn't have a championship game blunder. Um, but yeah, I think- or, Joe, or Joe Montana, oh, he was undefeated, oh, but obviously yeah. he Joe had Montana Jerry. Well. He always he always he had Jerry Rice, the greatest wide receiver too. So, right. so but yeah, that's how it is for me. Um, again, right on paper, I think we could have gone undefeated, but after looking back on it, it makes sense. Um, it was a good growing season. We went from being you know, obviously the, a top two team to a top four team. And in my opinion, we were probably still the second best team heading into the playoffs overall in the NFL. Um, so it, it, we're far removed from the days of when we lost a playoff game. We're absolutely miserable right. for a while because, um, you know, how our team is. So, you know, now we're the opposite and it feels good to be on that end where we're crying and feel sad and depressed and all that stuff because mm-hmm. we didn't make it to the Super Bowl. So it's a good it's a good luxury to have and you know we're definitely spoiled. And I know both Reed Veach or not both, but everybody, Reed Veach, um Patrick and all the guys, you know, they're gonna be motivated and, and we'll be coming out with some absolute fire next year. Yeah, and it, it, this game kind of makes you, uh, for cheese fans, kind of brings you back down to earth um, that you're not the ultimate uh, team that no one's going to stop you and everything. They're going to watch tape. They're going to learn how well your success was in the previous years uh, and how well you do things uh, going forward. So, um, like you said, I mean, for us to go to four AFC championship games, not only go to four, but to host all four of them, um, you know, it kind of sucks that we only won two of those. Uh, to go to Super Bowl and only won one Super Bowl. I think the the biggest task now is obviously to get back to the AFC Championship game and to actually win it. Um, obviously, you know, the first year was we didn't win it. The second year was we won it. We won it all. The third year, last year, being you know we got back to the Super Bowl but we fell short. And this year, it was just we didn't even get back to the Super Bowl. So I think obviously next year I think the goal is ultimately at the end of the day still to go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. But I think first things first is to win uh, the AFC Championship game and get it back to the Super Bowl. I think that's the that's the first goal ultimately. But um, and can Andy overcome that? Because obviously he went to four NFC Championship games um, in Philly, and after that Super Bowl he went to even though he didn't win, um, he just could never go back to that again. So I think that's – I mean, obviously you're talking about two different things because the Eagles didn't have a quarterback. Yeah, they had McNabb, but they didn't have – Mahomes is way different than McNabb. So there's there's different aspects you can look at that. But um, I think that's the thing now is people is like, you know, can um, Andy overcome these last two years of – you know, wouldn't say failure, but didn't exceed the goal that um, he probably had for the players. So um, I, I still think obviously – um, like you said, um, definitely you know top four teams uh, in the league, if not maybe top two. I think 
Um, if I'm not mistaken, Vegas already put out the odds for Super Bowl 57, and I think we were number one um, for next year, so at least right now. But uh, obviously that means that you know everybody who bets money on or people around the nation know that the Chiefs will still be there next year no matter what. So uh, like I said, it's a learning lesson uh, moving forward and um, definitely not – it's not the Colts Chiefs game from you know years past where we don't talk about anymore. It's not something like that. So um, obviously we did blow a big lead, but nothing like that. And obviously in a meaningful game like um, we had played the other day. So yeah, I, I said I I think we're we'll come back um, you know stronger than ever next year and uh, definitely I would say even more hungry than even this year um, compared to uh, you know when the Super Bowl uh, two years ago. So. Um, so uh, that's actually all for on the Chiefs-Bengals game front. Uh, the last topic we're actually going to talk about today um, is all the new head coach hires around the league. And there's only been four up to this point, uh, but I'll send it to you, Rich, to uh, what are your thoughts on these four new hires uh, so far around the league? Yeah, so let's go over those real quick, right? The Chicago Bears hired Colts offensive coordinator Matt Eberflus. Uh, the New York Giants hired Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator Brian Dable. The Denver Broncos hired the Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. If uh, you guys are like deep football enthusiasts, especially within the coaching setup, he is a son of a pretty good um, offensive coordinator from back in the day in Paul Hackett. So you can go with that one. And then the Las Vegas Raiders hired – Patriots longtime offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. So, um, th- three offensive minds, one defensive mind. Um, you know, I think the the modern day trend is they always get the offensive coordinator because it's all about quarterback, so on and so forth. Um, but the Bears, you know, really really liked Ibrahimovic, um, and, and they even brought in a new GM. So overall, I think Brian Dable. It's hard not to. It would have been hard for someone not to hire him with the development that he's had of Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen went from a project first round quarterback to arguably you could say, you know, the second, third, fourth, fifth best quarterback in the NFL. Um, you know, and some even say he outplayed Patrick in that uh, game last week. Um, but yeah, that alone was definitely merit for him to get a job. Nathaniel Hackett, I think anytime anyone's around Aaron Rodgers, if I'm not mistaken, Joe Philbin also got the Dolphins job from being Aaron Rodgers as OC back in the day. Um, and then a longtime offensive assistant there in New England, right? Technically, I thought he would hang around as long as possible until Bill Belichick left the Patriots, but I don't think Belichick is retiring any any year or any day now because he's just – football is life for him. Um, so, yeah, Josh McDaniels makes sense. He's always been well-respected. You know, Brady loves the guy. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but, yeah, one, one cool little thing is, I mean, technically two of these guys are from the Belichick tree and Dable mm. and McDaniels. Really? Um, yeah, oh, yeah, I know Dable. about McDaniels, yeah. Yeah, and then Dable was um, – which remember, we were talking about this in our chat – Ryan Dable was actually a former Chiefs offense coordinator that year that Romeo Cornell mm-hmm. was the head coach. They were 2-14. and 14. I mean, when your quarterbacks are Matt Castle, Brody Croyle, and Braden <laughs> Quinn, tough. I mean, you know, he's he definitely made Josh Allen improve, but Josh Allen was light years better than all those guys, even as a as a Wyoming quarterback 
a rookie Wyoming quarterback. So, um, you know, let's say directly impacting us, the Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett. I think this is a little bit of a move to try to lower Aaron Rodgers to Denver, um, which I think he's mentioned before that he would be interested in joining the Broncos. And we all know John Elway is terrible at assessing quarterbacks in the draft. So getting one that's established. I also think that Denver fits Aaron Rodgers' lifestyle. Um, yeah. So that'll be interesting to see what happens there. And then with Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas, that's going to be interesting because – you know, that was the most surprising him. one for yeah, me. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere too. Um, but um, that, yeah, the, so that one will be interesting. I'll, it'll. I don't know what's going to happen with Derek Carr. If, if I'm mistaken, he's got one more year on his contract. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there. What, what do you think about those hires? Uh, well, you kind of like I just mentioned, like yeah, and I kind of agree with you on Josh McDaniels. It seems like it, it was an interesting fit. Like I just didn't think. I almost thought they were just going to hire. Um, uh, the interim head coach, I forget his his name, uh, that for most of the year, I thought they were just going to end up hiring him because I thought he, uh, you know, performed well enough towards in the year, especially all the things the Las Vegas Raiders have been through this year. I thought they might give him a chance, but uh, yeah, very surprising on Josh McDaniels. And um, I like to point out, obviously, two of these four that have been announced so far are in our own division. So um, it's just yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how well. Uh, these fit, but I would say out of the ones that you mentioned are all the ones that so far I am intrigued about is Nathaniel Hackett, just because like you mentioned, um, you know, them looking for a quarterback. Uh, I know Drew Locke, he's obviously Drew Locke's not Aaron Rodgers. So, but um, you know, for him to come from Green Bay and Rodgers is not coming back to Green Bay, most likely, it just seems like a good fit. He would go there, like you said, even his lifestyle. So I think that one's, um, I would say if I had to pick between the four, that's probably the best one that I would think uh, is a good fit for the Broncos, uh, you know, going forward. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see some of the other ones that are obviously still um, empty spots in Jacksonville and Minnesota. But uh, yeah, that, those are pretty much my thoughts. I would say on the four that have been hired so far. Yeah, I mean, and speaking of trying to lure quarterbacks, Tom Brady made it official today, right, that he is actually retiring. He said, hey, uh, Adam Schefter broke the news or whoever it was. That right. wasn't legit. Hey, but now I'm going to do it myself on Instagram. Right. So right. Uh, I guess happy career to the GOAT. Um, as much as people hate it, right? He is without a doubt the best player all time in my opinion at, at playing the, pig, the pigskin game. Absolutely. We'll see him in Canton in, what is it, 2027? Yeah, about five years from yeah, now. Yes, yeah. because yeah, so, I know five years is a rule. Which I think that's weird. Um, like it shouldn't matter. I think you so, should be able to go into like the Hall of Fame now. Of course, I guess right. you can come back, which is why they do it. But maybe mm-hmm. make it three years. I don't know. Um, well, I mean, if you if you're like Brett Favre and you retire for a year and you come back and you retire and then you come back, I mean, that's probably why they make it five years. Probably yeah. the Brett Favre rule, uh, maybe. Yeah. But I don't know. But um, so I got to ask you, since you brought up Tom Brady, um, obviously, I think we're. I think he's done. I think he's not going to come back, but. I did find it very interesting that he didn't mention the Patriots um, or Belichick <laughs> in his thing. Now, I, I know there might be probably some still some, I don't know, some things, that disagreements or whatever that probably um, hasn't liked since he's left there. I mean, ultimately, he's going to go in as a New, uh, New England Patriot in the Hall of Fame, isn't he? You think? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, if he doesn't, he's just being a you-know-what. Um, I mean, without a doubt. Like, he won one in Tampa – 
that's all you know, nice and dandy and all that fancy stuff. But he needs a patriot. So right. both him and and you know the Patriots got to stop jacking around. So right, right. Now let yeah. me ask you this though: Do you think he's actually going to stay retired? I think so. I think he's. I don't think he's going to do a Brett Favre kind of situation or um, be year the or you know be out for a year and then find a new team. I, I really don't. I mean, he's forty four. He's going to be forty five. I think by the time the season starts next year, I, I I really think it's time for him. I mean, I think um, as far as his kids and his wife, I think he just kind of wants to just not be involved. Now, do I see him in another kind of aspect later on? Um, maybe television or something. I could see it. I just don't see him actually playing a game anymore. Yeah, so I I wouldn't rule out you know him getting one more year out of it, and he goes out on a higher note, maybe like a Super Bowl appearance or something like that. Um, but I do understand that you know the power of a woman is is arguably the the most powerful force you know known to yeah. known to mankind, right? And she was very vocal about you know him. You know, she kind of let him play a few more years or whatever. Past where you know they kind of had talked about. I mean, his kids, um, you know, are still young. I guess um, you know they're still little. Well, I mean, they're still kids. Let's just say that. Right. So, with how dedicated he is to it, I know you don't get to enjoy the family life. So I get it. Um, without a doubt, I don't think he's going to go anywhere else. If he comes back, you know, I think the Bucks have his rights, so he has to come back to them, or they got to trade him, or something like that. But I wouldn't rule out some news about him thinking about it and maybe he can talk just out and let him play one more year. See if he can go out on a higher note. Um, but if not, man, the Bucks sure are in a, like a downward spiral. Cause after that, it's Kyle Trask, mm-hmm. you know, as their starting quarterback and they could potentially be losing their OC as well as a few other coaches. So yeah, who knows? So if I had a bet on it and I'm sure there's a bet on it out there, I would put some money down on him coming back for one more year, mm-hmm. but definitely not the bank. Yeah, I uh, I had a I had a, I had a tell a joke real quick because I had I told one of my friends a joke. I I thought he was gonna do like you know maybe he could do like a Michael Jordan thing where he's like oh I'm gonna retire and then he like not play baseball but like play go like play golf on the PGA Tour and then come back and then you know win another championship and then they have like a Space Jam football movie about him. It was just like a long joke about. Well, it. I thought it's it'd be funny because kind of I mean you being a North Carolina fan, you know that <laughs> Roy Williams walking in meme, uh huh, or gift, yeah. I like I can see Tom Brady posting that, and someone even mentioned that <laughs> that scene on the Wolf of Wall Street mm-hmm. when Leonardo DiCaprio was like, "I'm not leaving." Oh, that's the best one. He's like, "I'm not yeah, leaving." I'm leaving. <laughs> so um, I can man, like I I thought that's what he was gonna hit us with because Tom Brady's little social media game is kind of funny. Yes. Um, but yeah, like I said, is I wouldn't rule out some kind of whispers about Gronk and Brady thinking about coming back and all that fancy stuff. Right. Yeah, only time will tell for sure. Um, but uh, like you mentioned early, um, it is official from him, and uh, he will go down as um, the greatest for sure, um, unless someone miraculously breaks his records. But it's going to be hard to get up to where his level is. But yeah, he's definitely the goat uh, in our hands for sure. So, um, with that being said, that is actually the end of today's episode. Uh, Rich will be back later this week with the episode on the Senior Bowl on Saturday, and we'll discuss um, some details on that, some players maybe the Chiefs will look out for um, coming up uh, draft soon. And then next week, we will put out our final episode um, of the season with our 2021 uh, season review for the Chiefs, um, along with our Super Bowl 
56 uh, prediction uh, between the Cincinnati Bengals and Los Angeles Rams. Uh, So thanks again for everyone listening. Don't forget to follow our podcast and go Chiefs.